Welcome to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix, where each month we focus on IT innovations that are moving federal agencies forward. Here's your host, Jason Miller, with Chris Howard, Vice President of U.S. Public Sector for Nutanix. Welcome to the discussion. My guest is Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Jason. It's an honor to be here. So this is exciting. This is a new show from Federal News Radio with Nutanix. Uh, each monthly episode, we're going to explore a wide range of IT modernization issues, cloud computing, data center optimization and consolidation, and much, much more cybersecurity. I'm sure will be mentioned. We cannot go anywhere without cybersecurity. And Chris, we're going to hear from you. We're going to hear from your colleagues at Nutanix, as well as other experts in the public and private sectors. So there's a ton to talk about. We'll never probably run out of topics, and, and but we'll probably run out of time before we run out of topics. So let's just jump in. The big discussion that we've been hearing for the last, I don't know, about 18 months or so is about IT modernization. You've seen the pressure ratcheted up over the last, I would say, nine months to a year at that, uh, data center consolidation, optimization. You've seen more focus on, because of the passage of the Modernizing Government Technology, the MGT Act. There's so much going on. Chris, let's just start at the beginning. What's driving all these needs? Why are we talking about this so much today? And, and I would say probably more than we were you know, three, five, seven years ago. Yeah, two things that come immediately to mind are cloud computing and software-driven IT. And I'll start with the cloud computing uh, piece first. Ever since the first mandate came out about eight years ago for the cloud-first policy, we've seen a lot of different interesting things happen. And actually at Nutanix, we've been a part of a couple studies that have been released, or at least one has been released. One is coming very, very soon. And in that first study, it looked at the uh, federal IT customers that have adopted cloud, and you looked at the early adopters of cloud that were putting large amounts of data and applications into the cloud. They've actually started to pull back which we found really interesting. And that was for a number of different reasons. It could have been about security, compliance, governance, and, and many, many other issues. And, and then we've seen a whole other group of people that are now starting to investigating the, or investigate the cloud. And we're noticing that they're actually, they're more forward-leaning than the, the group that is pulling out of the cloud. And by forward-leaning, I don't mean they're doing something wrong or, or bad, but it's just a different approach to the early adopters, to the people that we've seen, we've seen now. In addition, you're, you're seeing a lot more cloud procurements coming out, I think, at this point, uh, DOD release that they have, or federal, I'm not sure if it was DOD or federal, they have 500 different cloud awards currently out there. And so you look at it, are we really creating a benefit with all of these different awards, or are we creating more silos? And, and the way that we see the technology driving, you need something that can manage all of those multiple clouds. And, and just when people start thinking about this and innovating and bringing disruption, disruption to their environment, it, it gives us a lot of benefits, but it also causes a little bit more complexity. But at the end of the day, it is definitely driving towards us thinking about modernization and data center consolidation. I think another thing that we've seen is the software-driven IT. So software, as they say, is, is somewhat eating the world. And, and the innovation that we're seeing in today's marketplace is mostly around software. And a perfect example of that is think of Tesla, right? They're a completely different way to build a car. They don't have a carburetor. There's a lot less moving parts. And there's advancements in software that can be made on a moment's notice. Think of, uh, I think it was Hurricane Irma, when a lot of the folks in, in Florida that were driving and they had Teslas, Tesla came out with an immediate software patch that allowed them to get longer 
drive time out of the batteries because they knew that they'd be sitting in traffic and the charging stations would just be impossible to get. And so that's that's allowing us to bring innovation and software to the marketplace. And I think that's what we're seeing in the federal government around some of the new software-centric technologies uh, like a Nutanix that's uh, disrupting the way the federal government does business. Let me back you up for a second because one of the things you said that was very interesting is why some of those early adopters are pulling back. When you say pulling back, they're not necessarily getting out of the cloud or are they just not going in more? Based on the study, it's actually a little bit of both. I don't think you're seeing a wholesale pullback. I think when people um, first got into the cloud and there was this mandate, they, they pretty much tried to move everything they could into the cloud. And the way we look at the cloud is 25% of your applications are unpredictable or elastic enough to where it makes 100% sense to put them into the cloud, right? It could be a 30-day big data job or some sort of end-of-month financial run. It, it doesn't make any sense to, to buy infrastructure and, and run it. It makes more sense to put it into the cloud, use that cloud for the 30 days or 15 days that you need it, and then pull back that that data. Where we see the benefit to the on-prem and where people may be pulling back is that they put what we call predictable workloads in the cloud, workloads that you know what you're getting and you're running those full time for, say, three three years, five years, or whatever the case might be. Those, if you do it efficiently on-prem, they will certainly be more cost effective. You may think they're more secure. You may have better governance. So we're seeing a little bit of both, but I, I don't think anyone is wholesale coming out, and I don't think we'll ever see that, quite honestly. Right. So I was a little surprised when you said they're pulling back. I want to make sure we put a finer point on that because I don't want people to think the cl people are leaving the cloud for yeah. on-prem. I mean, th no, that's, that's not just no, hard. That's, we're going to live in a hybrid world. There's going to be a percentage exactly. that always lives in the cloud and a percentage that always lives on-prem. The other piece to this, I think, that is, is interesting is the need to manage the multiple clouds. And mm -hmm. I think that's where Nutanix and other companies like yours can come in because as agencies, as you just said, live in the hybrid cloud, how do you manage those multiple clouds? And talk a little bit about that process and why that is emerging as probably the next important piece that agencies have to start to consider. Any customer out there wants choice and they don't want to be reliant on one specific technology. And it's the same with clouds. They want to be able to put data into uh, all the big cloud providers that are out there. Now, the challenge was, with that is that now you have silos of cloud. So that's where multi-cloud management is really coming into play, and that's a big, big uh, topic of conversation around Nutanix's technologies, and it's something that we're investing in heavily. It's a hard problem to solve. Uh, it's not something that can be solved overnight, but I always think that we're going to see the majority of customers using different clouds for different types of services because some of the cloud providers out there have very good technologies and very good point technologies, but they may not answer the 100% of your requirements. And and some will be on-prem and some will be spread out, but you're going to have to have a way to manage that efficiently. That's why we've, we're trying to close data centers and modernize is because we have so many different silos of IT. We just can't move one silo from on-prem to a silo in the cloud. Are there any agencies or anyone you would point to that's managing their clouds well today? Is, is there any examples you may be able to give? I mean, I know a lot of agencies that are dipping their toe into the cloud. I know some agencies that have put all of their sort of back office, like email and and uh, those types of services into the cloud. And yeah, they're doing a good job. But, but more than, but more, let me just jump in, but more than just putting stuff in the cloud, but managing them with multiple clouds. Because I think that's the key here is, that, yeah, it's easy to create the silo. I'm going to have an email silo. I'm going to have a data storage silo. I'm going to have a test and dev silo. But who's managing those three together well enough. Do you, do you get a sense that, that is that happening yet? I don't think it is, but it's definitely the, the, the piece of the puzzle that people want. 
And there's a lot of companies, including Nutanix, that are out there building those types of solutions. But I don't think there's a, a truly efficient way to do it as of right today. And I think that's the struggle that agencies are starting to face is, as you mentioned, whatever the 500 awards were for, whether it's across DOD or across the entire federal government. And I see that when you look at the FedBizOps website, how many different RFIs and RFPs are out around cloud. You're right. Our agency is doing the same thing they did with the client server and mainframe and what was ever before the mainframe typewriters. <laughs> right. And now we're all siloed up. I think that's a great point. The managing of the, of the cloud is, is probably the next big thing. Oh, I 100 percent agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll have uh, some some very good solutions and technologies, not just from Nutanix, but there's a there's a whole ecosystem out there building to that, because I think, you know, we all see this as it's going to be a hybrid world. It's going to be a multi cloud world. And the management piece of it is the one that everyone is trying to solve. Very good, Chris. That's a great point to take a quick break. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. A recent survey revealed that at least 50% of federal agencies are using multiple clouds in their IT environment. Combine that with the legacy infrastructure that most agencies still use, and you can imagine the complexity and the limitations of such an environment. But federal agencies are adopting Nutanix to simplify and manage this complexity. Nutanix software-driven infrastructure and enterprise cloud give IT freedom from complexity, freedom to work with any cloud, to run any application at the scale they need, to use whatever technology technology stack suits them, and to invent the technology that will move their mission forward. To learn more about how Nutanix is helping organizations simplify their IT environments, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. My guest is Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. Now, Chris, before break, you mentioned two things that were really driving this push toward modernization, this push towards really getting off legacy IT. One of them was cloud. The other one was the software world we're living in. Your example of Tesla pushing a patch to help batteries last longer is a great example. Talk a little bit more about the software-driven world that we live in. We hear about software-defined networking. We hear about you know everything is based on software. No one buys hardware anymore. The SaaS world, right? Software as a service. It's understandable why software is driving, but how is that leading agencies down the path toward maybe a modernization or really a bigger focus on modernization? Part of the modernization effort is to reduce power, space, cooling, so rack space, data center, floor space. And one of the most efficient and easiest ways to do that is to, to create that software-defined data center to include the networking piece and the power and cooling piece. So the ability to significantly reduce that footprint through software is, is one, easy, one easy way to see modernization and, and also consolidation. There's also a lot of other advantages around the software piece where software can automate a lot of the environment. Now, the automation is good because it requires less human interaction, and so therefore your your people are uh, kind of modernizing themselves because they're no longer worried about so much of the infrastructure and hardware piece, and they're focusing more on the application, on the SLA to the customers, uptime for the agency. So I think those are a lot of the good benefits. I also think what what we really don't know what's going to happen uh, because some new new capabilities when you look at machine learning artificial intelligence, things that are on top of everyone's minds, but we're really not sure yet how agencies in the federal government are going to be able to use that information. But we know it's a it's a big requirement, but it's just another way that the software is driving 
the behavior of our customers. That one is a little bit more in the future. I know there's companies out there uh, doing it and doing it really well, but I don't think we can really quantify the benefits or, or the outcomes yet to the agency on those. It's amazing. I, we could have a whole show on, on emerging technologies like AI and machine learning, but it's amazing the pickup, the adoption rate. If you think about cloud first, right? We, what we talked about in the beginning of the show, 2011. And here we are, 2018, still talking about, well, can they do it? How do they do it? How do they manage multiple clouds? And then you talk about things like blockchain or AI or machine learning or robotics process automation, and that's happening. People are using it now. So it's a fascinating pickup. And I, and I think that's driven by that software piece that you were mentioning, that, that because people are more comfortable in, in that world of, of having the software run it. Talk a little bit about that automation and, and why, whether it's emerging technologies or you're just automating the, but the administration is calling low-value work, How's that helping agencies kind of move out of this status quo? Let's go back to the, just say, an upgrade process, right? Today, an upgrade process, if you have a legacy infrastructure in a data center, you have to upgrade four, five, ten different things. Well, if you can automate that and make it simple simple to do through a management GUI, say for one click in a management GUI, that will then automatically upgrade all of those just simply in software, and you push it out. It's non-disruptive. It doesn't take a whole lot of um, human touch I mean, those are incredible savings from an organization. Not only can it help you with your manpower costs, but more importantly, it allows you to redirect that manpower to just much, much more mission-critical activities. I think another big thing that we're seeing, especially in uh, a lot of the DoD entities, is the whole effort around IoT. All of these devices that we have, uh, not only in our personal lives, but when you look at federal agencies, when you start gathering that data and evaluating it, and you're doing that all in software, the benefits you can get around efficiencies and power and cooling and just what you learn from it, right? Who's using this piece of machinery? What benefit are they getting from it? How long is it on? What is it costing me to have that thing on 24 by 7? So if you can automate even just the uptime from a financial metrics perspective of those IoT devices, and that's just another one, and that's all part of the machine learning and the artificial intelligence capabilities that exist out there today. The key piece here also is workforce, that when you talk about getting the workforce to focus on the SLAs and uptime, and really the more important pieces of the mission side, of the, of the business side, and less about, okay, I have to install this patch, okay, mm -hmm. I have to upgrade the server hardware or the server software, but if that can be done automatically, are you seeing some agencies who are making that jump to automating, whether it's in the data center or through a, a private cloud or government-only cloud? Absolutely. I mean, the the amount of time that you can save by automating those tasks and, and doing it in software without having to physically touch a device or take a device down or, or do it during a, a maintenance window on the weekends. I mean, these are all things that we can solve a problem for today. And now it's just about people actually adopting those technologies. If we if we stick with the legacy data centers, which have been operating the government for the last 20 years, we're never going to get past those type of human resources. I mean, they're incredibly important, but is it time well spent? What can we have them do that is more efficient for the organization and actually has an impact on the mission? Chris, there's a several themes that have come about during our conversation just so far. Uh, the IT modernization, obviously, is a big one, cloud. But really, what this show is about is broader than just, hey, let's have another discussion around cloud. I think you and I can probably go to a cloud of, of event every single day of the week here probably. in the D.C. area. <laughs> Talk a little bit about why Nutanix and why you want to kind of, what's the message you're trying to get through here? We're trying to create an open and, and somewhat pointed conversation around technology and infrastructure and how can this impact the government. The roots of Nutanix has always been about disruption, 
right? So we've been disrupting legacy technology in the data center now for well over five years. How can we do the same in this type of in this type of situation? How can we create conversation that's also disruptive to to what's the status quo out there from a normal day to day stuff you hear on the radio or or on TV? So I think that's one of the biggest things we're trying to do. But we're also trying to make sure people understand that technologies exist out there. A lot of our customers don't necessarily have the resources or the reach to understand or hear what we're saying. And so the more and more we can do these types of uh, uh, events that we're doing now, I think it just opens people's eyes to uh, not only Nutanix. I mean, we're one of many companies out there that are doing disruption and, and are building software to handle a lot of the requirements. But it affords, it gives them the opportunity to understand it and potentially learn more about it and figure out, okay, is this the direction I should take my agency in? Or, you know, or is it better for us just to keep doing what we're doing. Obviously, we think we know the answer to that. So it's our job to help educate the people that are listening to these types of events. Chris, here's your your hardball, the hard question of the day. How are we going to make this interesting each month, right? How are we going to keep people coming back to listen? What are some of the things that you say, if I had to go to another conference and listen to that platitude again, I'm just out of here. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we how do we stay out of that? that well, that obviously, depth? we got to come up with uh, new and interesting topics. I mean, one of the biggest problems that, that I've seen, I've been to uh, the same conference for three years, and I've seen the same power PowerPoint deck the same, you know, every year. As long as we keep coming up with interesting topics, topics that are relevant to the customer base that's listening to this uh, show and, and, and quite honestly, challenge, challenge each other. It shouldn't be all softballs and, and, and <laughs> easy topics. I mean, these have to be somewhat difficult questions and hopefully we have an answer that is uh, interesting and relevant to the people listening. Excellent. Now, I'm glad you gave me permission. We're on the record here that I can not just throw you softball questions. Correct. Correct. So, so, so here's your first hardball question of the day, right? When we talk about modernization, we talk about MGT, and we talk about all these issues, why is this discussion still so hard? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just around status quo. The majority of the meetings that, I, that I've been to where this type of topic comes up, some of them just think that they've, uh, and I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but they, they've dug a hole that's so deep they can't get out of it. You and, can say it that way. Can that's, I, okay. That's, that's okay. <laughs> so I think CIOs would, would agree with you that they've dug a hole pretty deep. We have to change, though. I mean, we innovate in our personal lives. We have to innovate at our jobs. And uh, so I think status quo is is one that is, that is pretty big. I think there's a lot of in, incumbent bias. You know, there's a lot of great technology companies out there that have been selling to the federal government for a very long time. And uh, it's very hard in some instances to break away from them because a lot of people on site are trained and they've spent a lot of time getting up, you know, up to speed on that technology, even though that technology is no longer innovating at the pace that the rest of the industry is. So I think a lot of that uh, incumbent bias still exists. And of course, the one of the biggest ones, and this is talked about probably on every uh, every show and episode, is challenges around procurement. Obviously, the federal government has uh, a lot of procurement challenges. They have to, you know, protect themselves against the FARs, and uh, contracting not, is not necessarily the the easiest method uh, as it stands today to procure innovative and new technologies. You look at a lot of uh, stuff that's still written today from a requirements perspective, and there there's requirements in there for technologies like RAID. RAID was, I think, developed in 1988, and so there has to be more efficient ways to procure things through even simply putting better language in these procurement uh, items. So I think those are three of the big ones that come to mind. I think you just outlined our next three shows. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, Chris, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we can uh, talk more about where we're heading. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM.
Eight years after the Federal Cloud First initiative, a certain universal truth has emerged. Success in cloud is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. A recent survey revealed that 59% of federal agencies plan to increase their use of private cloud over the next two years. Results from that same survey noted that organizations realize the greatest cost savings and IT agility when using a hybrid cloud model. Nutanix gives agencies the freedom to manage hybrid cloud complexity with ease. With the enterprise cloud, you can combine the agility and simplicity of the public cloud with the security and control you need in a private cloud. No more lock-in, spiraling cost, and data governance issues. To learn more about how Nutanix can free you from IT complexity, visit Nutanix.com freedom. Welcome back. You're listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm Jason Miller. My guest is Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. Now, Chris, before break, we were starting to talk a little bit about the idea of, we talked a little bit about software, how the software is running the world. There's a lot of focus now on modernization, how to get agencies going. Give me a sense of what you're seeing from your government clients about how they're starting to address this modernization. We're seeing a lot of good traction at all various levels of agencies. And, and these agencies are very complex. They have a lot of different moving parts, a lot of different organizations, sometimes that are delivering different capabilities, different missions, but still under the same umbrella of that agency. And for us, it's an opportunity just to show them the value of the, the software that we're bringing to the market, the opportunity to move towards the cloud-based solutions, whether that's on-prem or hybrid or, or even out into the full you know, open cloud. Some agencies are more progressive than others, and, and our job is just to educate them. We have a lot of customers that have fully embraced uh, the Nutanix technology in conjunction with a number of other technologies that we partner with in, in our ecosystem, and they're seeing the benefits and the values of it, and, and they're starting to talk to their peers and, and, and show the peers that there is a better way to modernize and there's a better way to transform your business. It's not a light switch. This, these things don't happen in one day. It's sort of a, an evolution to the cloud. And the cloud is, our CEO, he says the cloud's not a destination. It's just, a, it's just another piece of the puzzle. I think there's going to be a lot of changes. We're seeing some positive movement, not only around customers embracing innovation and disruption, but also from an acquisition perspective. There's been a lot of reform that's happening. We have a long way to go. So hopefully we just keep moving along this, this path towards a point where customers have a real choice and can deploy technologies that they feel will really benefit their environment and just move away from the business as usual. It's, uh, it's a hard problem to solve, but I think we're making progress and, and our job's never going to be done. When you talk about moving away from the business as usual, and that's difficult, change management, we always hear that. It's the culture, not the technology. Mm -hmm. What are some examples of ways agencies can do that? They talk a lot about like quick wins. Are you seeing agencies getting those quick wins? Absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, it's not something we focus on, but it is something that we talk about with every customer. Even if the customer has uh, their their own legacy approach and they don't want to move off of it completely, you know, you can you have the opportunity to look for new workloads or look for a lot of new creative ways to show the customer value. DevOps is a big, a, a big area that people are unsure of, but they, they know they need it. They just maybe don't know why. So a lot of what we do on a day-to-day basis is educate them, show them new 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 ideas and new workloads. Uh, a lot of people are embracing figuring out their IoT problem, figuring out their big data problem, use machine learning to understand what this data even means. And those are the quick wins that we're, we're going after. I mean, for us to walk in and, and, and replace an entire data center, that's a, that's a pretty daunting task. So getting quick wins, starting out small, being able to scale 
and along the way show the customer the value, then eventually they're going to start moving those into other workloads, other data centers. And, you know, the federal government's a big group of agencies, but there are a lot of tight circles. And so there's a lot of communication, and I think word is starting to spread that uh, there's a lot of disruption that can be had. When you look at some of your customers or some of the examples that are out there of, of agencies that are being disruptive, and you may not be able to talk specifically about an agency, give me an example of something that's happening that you think is disruptive or, or that you would point to to say, hey, they're, they're going on the path that I think is the future. Yeah, so we've worked with a lot of agencies in the, the, the civilian space and the DOD space that they got to a point where they knew they had to make a change and they quickly they quickly made a change and maybe it wasn't in their main data center maybe it was in a lot of their their smaller remote data centers and eventually those bled into uh, something larger but i think the area that we had to focus on was showing them that they could manage all of these through a single management plane uh, and everyone wants to get rid of silos. Silos are bad from a, a workforce perspective because you get a lot of finger pointing and things of that and those nature. But it's it's to me, it's just a constant education. And the agencies that are willing to take that leap and maybe not the leap with the entire agency, but just simply take a leap under a workload or under a, a certain use case, they're seeing the benefits and they're expanding more and more quickly into into the software world. They're getting away from having hundreds of people on site managing um, a SAN or managing a, a big switch and routing farm and, and putting those types of capabilities into software. And once again, going back to it, doing all the automation and just the self-healing and all the benefits that the software will provide. So I think those are those are a couple of the things without naming any specific agencies. What's the advice that you give most often when you talk to a, a sit down with a CIO or, or, or a, a data center administrator of sorts and, and they, well, what should I do? Where should I go first? How should I get started? I mean, no one starts at zero. We get that. But what's the best piece of advice you usually give? First, always start with a question. What, what's their pain? And then I can quickly come up with uh, something that I would advise them to do to eliminate that pain. And their pains are wildly different depending on the agency and the... But if you don't know what business problem you're solving, it's hard to give somebody advice. So we always try to identify what their pain points are, find out what business problem they're trying to solve, and then we give them a, a direction to go in. And it may be something that involves the Nutanix technology or maybe a, a whole ecosystem approach to, to, to what they're trying to solve. Is there a common pain point you hear is if you sit down with the CIO, do you hear the same ones over and over again? Maybe not from everyone, but from a majority. Yeah, there's two or three that are always, uh, always in play. Uh, obviously, downtime, maintenance. Well, let's say maintenance windows, right? The workforce hates having to work on a weekend or all night long. So that's a, that's a big challenge for them. Just the overall number of people that they have managing all of the different silos. So I don't want to say it like, oh, we can reduce your workforce, and that's not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is make the workforce more productive. Um, those are two of the bigger ones. We hear a lot of other ones. You know, some are, are, are a little bit simpler, not simpler to solve, but they say um, security. You know, maybe they've had some sort of uh, uh, security issue in the past. So the the other one is data center footprint space. You know, they're they're being told to close data centers. That's how do they, how do they do that? You just can't pick up everything in that data center, just move it to another one because then you didn't solve any problems. So those are a few that I think we hear most often, but everyone's got unique challenges, unique circumstances, and, and we just do our best to understand what they're trying to communicate to us, and hopefully we can point them in the direction of solving that problem. Chris, this has been a fun conversation. I guarantee you we'll have some fun. We're going to laugh a little. We'll, we'll throw some softballs, some hardballs at you, and we will continue this conversation each month. Uh, in, in this last 30 seconds or so that we have, uh, give me a preview of next month's episode. 
So I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk a lot about uh, some of the best practices and, and some of the customer testimonials that we're going to learn about at our upcoming uh, worldwide technology conference, .next in New Orleans. We're going to be in front of about 6,000 customers that have embraced cloud technologies, have embraced hyperconvergence. And so hopefully we're going to get some good talking points out of that, and it'll be a good uh, next round of discussions. All right, I'm going to give you a little bit of homework, okay? I want you to go around and, and test the beignets in New Orleans <laughs> and give, give me a report back on who has the best beignets. And just don't tell me a Cafe du Monde or what, what the, the very famous one. you got to test them all, okay? I will. You do that for me? Each and every one of them. Let me thank my guest, Chris Howard, the Vice President of Public Sector for Nutanix. Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the IT Innovation Insider, brought to you by Nutanix for Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. Today's episode can be found on demand at federalnewsradio.com. Keyword, NTNX.